Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Sunday morning, day three of the ACB National Convention, and we're glad everyone is here. We are especially pleased that you've chosen to be here with us this morning because there's a couple of other sessions that are opposite us that, quite frankly, are really good competition for us. So we appreciate all of you being here. We also appreciate uh, Lucy Edmonds, who's here as our host, and John Gassman, who is helping us to stream and record. And uh, we, of course, appreciate our panelists that are also here, and they are the people who are really going to make this event memorable for us all. Uh, I'm just kind of the glue that's sticking this together. I'm Carla Rushevel, president of ACB Families, and I'd like to begin by giving you just a little bit of information about families, and I will also give the opening continuing education code. That code will not be repeated during this um, during this event, and there will be an ending code. So if you are here and plan to use this as one of your flex credits for continuing education or professional development hours, be sure and listen for those codes. ACB Families is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We meet the first and third Sundays of each month at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Always on Zoom, sometimes we also broadcast our program activity for the month on ACB Media, almost said ACB Radio, and everyone is welcome to participate. Membership in ACB Families, and we're always looking for new members, is just $8 a year. So we like to say we're one of the best deals in ACB. If you're interested in learning more about ACB Families, just give me a call at 502-897-1472. You can also join our email list by sending a blank message to families and a plus sign, subscribe at acblists.org, families plus subscribe at acblists.org. You will receive a message that will ask you to confirm that you want to be a member of that list and you need to reply to that message. Just hit reply. You don't have to write anything. Just hit reply in order to be part of the list. And now let me give the opening CE code, the continuing ed code for this session, the beginning code, is 51630. 51630. Write that code down and remember to enter it on your report form that you fill out for this session. I will give the ending code uh, when we are finished here and right at the end of this of this event. So we have uh, some a couple of interesting topics today. We are all here because we're interested in genealogy and family trees and learning more about our roots. We have two individuals, Terry Dickelman 
And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he's Janet Dickelman's husband. And uh, and David Smith. Terry's from St. Paul, Minnesota. And David is from Louisville, Kentucky. And they both have had their DNA testing done and or been involved with DNA testing. And they have had some interesting experience, excuse me, experiences with the testing. And I just want them to share their stories with us as much as they would like to do. Um, they, uh, they have had experiences that are very different from each other. And of course, some similarities and maybe some of you on the call have done the DNA testing and have some stories to share as well. The other part of our of our session this morning is going to be uh, that Kathy Hooper is going to be leading that part of the discussion. Kathy is a registrar with the Ann Rogers Clark chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution, the Daughters of the American Revolution here in Louisville. And she's going to be telling us about how uh, we can go about if we think we have roots that lead back to the revolution or roots that lead back to the Mayflower or roots that lead back to other major things, how we can go about either documenting that or getting help to document that. So welcome to our three panelists. And we will begin with the DNA portion. I would like to ask everyone to stay muted. Lucy is going to make sure that we are all muted so that we don't pick up any background noise. And, um, and then when you have a question, if you would raise your hand and, and wait to be recognized, that would be very helpful. You do not have to hold your questions until the end of the session. Um, I always think that the best time to ask a question is when, you, when it's fresh in your mind. Terry, why don't you um, go first and just kind of introduce yourself and... Oh. Sure. Then tell us about, tell us your story and David, be ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Terry, but a lot of people just call me Mr. Janet. So uh, whatever <laughs> works for you, that's fine with me. Uh, I was interested in getting my DNA tested because I was adopted. So, uh, you know, just knowing what my sort of cultural, ethnic background was, was, you know, a mystery to me my entire life. Uh, you know, I took on my adopted families, you know, Irish, German, uh, uh, background, but I really didn't know what was going on with me. Plus, I just wanted to know, I knew that I had siblings out there somewhere, um, but that was about it. I knew next to nothing about my origin story. So I took both the 23andMe and the Ancestry tests because I figured they were the most popular and I would have uh, the best luck 
at finding somebody who was also related to me genetically. And so I did both tests and I waited for a very long time. And I, I was beginning to think that I hatched out of a pod. <laughs> and finally, I, uh, I got matched up with somebody. I got a, like, a lot of fourth cousins and third cousins. And I thought, well, this is never going to get me back to my origin story. But finally, uh, I uh, someone showed up who was closer to me genetically, and she had actually sent me an email that said, hi, my name is, and I was adopted, and I'm trying to find out information about my family. And I wrote back, and I said, well... Um, I don't think I'm going to be much help because I'm adopted too. <laughs> and so right there, I knew that, you know, there was maybe something going on in the family. But uh, long story short, uh, this person who contacted me was my half niece. Uh, I did find out through her and other people connected through her who were doing much more of the, the legwork on the genealogy part. Uh, I was able to get in touch with an older half-brother and learn my origin story and uh, why I was adopted out, and that sort of thing. I will say that uh, between Ancestry and 23andMe, if you're looking to build a genealogical tree, I would say Ancestry is a is a better way to go than 23andMe. They'll both get you people who are, are related to you genetically. Um, 23andMe kind of has fun little stuff that it will tell you, like if you prefer vanilla or chocolate, if you could carry a tune, that kind of thing, that kind of fun stuff like that. Uh, so I, that's kind of where I am. I'm Danish, by the way. Um, <laughs> not that anybody cares, but uh, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'm David Smith from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I started working on my family tree in 2012. Um, I uh, had a couple friends who were really into genealogy and I'd been speaking with them and um, they got me really interested. Plus I had several papers my mom gave me years ago with names of family and where they were from. And I even had a, uh, well, what would be a modern almanac sort of uh, from Germany. And uh, I was very interested in learning more about my ancestry so uh, when I started hearing the advertisements for Ancestry DNA, I was intrigued. 
And I uh, thought, well, I'm going to have to do this. I just have to. So I got my Ancestry DNA kit in 2013 and uh, sent it in. And I was so uh, excited about getting the results just to see what what the results would be. I was I told everybody, my friends and family, I just want to know, you know, what I am. <laughs> and so what I got, it takes a few weeks to get the results back from the DNA. And uh, I never will forget the day I got them. I was so excited to see. And it, to see if it kind of agreed with my family tree and what I already knew. And it did, uh, for the most part. There was one little surprise. Um, but if you know a little bit about history, I started thinking about the migrations of Europeans and it made total sense then and uh, it was some Norwegian ancestry so um, got those and it wasn't long afterwards uh, the, the thing I like about ancestry DNA is you can uh, the collaborative part you can collaborate with others um, you can send them messages and collaborate and uh wasn't long afterwards i got a message from uh our cousin here in town um as far as i know we've never met and uh, she'd done a lot of work on her family tree and uh a lot more than i had on that side of the family at least and uh, so she said she would help me and she has and i've been able to add to my family tree <clears throat> And uh, with with her help, and uh, I have about fifty three pages of DNA matches. Um, the first, it's in descending order from the strongest match to the least. So I, I recognized some of the the first maybe seven or eight. I at least know who they are. Maybe I've never met them, but I know who they are. And uh, I've noticed uh, recently that there are many more I would like to get in touch with. And I can do that. You can send a message. It doesn't mean they're going to respond or respond properly. Some people don't get get on online very often with that. But at least it's a tool that can add to your family tree. And uh, I've been able to build by... Uh, looking at the common ancestors I have with DNA matches. Um, sometimes if they have a linked public tree, you can even uh, see the common ancestors. And uh, if you know they're in your tree, then you're like, okay, this must uh, be something I can build on and look at their tree. Uh, but a lot of people do not have a linked public tree. But you can still uh, message them and, uh, you know, ask them if they would share it with you and collaborate. So, uh, well, another very interesting thing that happened, <clears throat> this was uh, maybe a year after I got my DNA results. I got a message from a guy in Dublin, Ireland, who said we were DNA matches. So uh, he uh He's like, well, let's schedule a day and time, and I'll give you a call 
uh, I'll pay for it. Long distance call from Ireland. And I, I was so excited about that. And uh, it was on a Saturday and we talked for about an hour and uh, trying to figure out what the connection was. We never could figure it out. It was a dead end, uh, but it was still interesting uh, to talk to, you know, some, you're going to run into dead ends, you know, like anything else with genealogy. But, uh, you know, there's also a lot of information you can get with Ancestry DNA. Carrie, you said that you had talked with, you had found a couple of relatives. Uh, and David, you too. Have you all been able to meet or have you wanted to meet with the, the people that you have found in your research? Oh, yes. I I definitely wanted to meet whoever, you know, I I was related to. And I I, I have talked to my half niece and I I've met her and we have um, a pretty good relationship that's building. Um, I've talked to two half brothers, um, one older, one younger. And my older brother gave me quite a bit of information and was able to uh, tell me about uh, my family of origin and uh, my biological mother. And, and that was interesting. I haven't met this older brother. My mother was alive when I first uh, found out when all of this started to coalesce. She has since passed away. However, it was clear that my older brother did not want me to try to contact her. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was actually fine with me. I didn't need to have a conversation with her. I didn't need to have a connection with her. The only thing, well, two things, really. Two things I wanted to know uh, was why I was put up for adoption and if, if there's any medical history that I needed to be aware of. That's especially important now that I'm getting old and decrepit. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't really have this glorious uh, genealogy tree. Uh, I have more of a stump than a tree. Uh, but I was able to get out of uh get out of the genealogy research what i wanted and i knew that i wasn't necessarily going to get history back to the 1700s or something like that i knew that that was pretty unlikely so i had a very specific narrow range of uh, objectives, you might say, for uh, for getting my DNA done. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I think that that though is you know if if you met or were able to at least meet part of the goals that you had with that, then th that's that's fine. Um, one of the things that sometimes can be uh, a little 
I guess not frustrating, but um, just people have this opinion that if if you're interested in your family tree, that you must be interested in discovering, you know, who who were your ancestors in 1322 or something. Well, that's not always the case, and so success can be anywhere along the the continuum. It sounds like it really worked has worked well for you. David, how about you? Have you met uh, any individuals? I think you said you had found a couple of cousins that were in town. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, I, I, actually, I, uh, a couple of the ones in town I, I have met before, you know, maybe mm-hmm. years ago. So, you know, um, I'm sure I'll see them again at a funeral or something, Hope, you know. <laughs> But uh, family reunion, family reunion. Uh, yeah, family reunion. Um, but uh, so my main purpose is to build my family tree, uh, collaborate with some of these cousins I don't know and most likely will never meet. Um, yeah, it would be nice, maybe, uh, to you know, down the line, I may meet one, but that's not my main goal. Um, okay. It's to build my family tree. Yeah. So your goal is building the tree and, and not especially meeting new cousins or new um, aunts and uncles or whatever. Your, your goal is, is to actually build the tree, which is two very different things. Um, one last question. Then I'm going to ask if there are hands uh, that anyone has, has questions. So, uh, so get ready. Um, but, did you all find the tests easy to use? Uh, David, when you did yours, were you losing your vision? Uh, Terry, you're sighted. So um, t- tell us about that process and if it's how difficult it is to do. And do we need, if we're totally blind, as I am, do we need assistance to do the test? Uh, yes, you do. If you're Vision. If, if you don't have some decent vision, you will need assistance uh, because you have to fill a rather large test tube with saliva. Uh, so you will need a friend or someone who's not really squeamish to watch you <laughs> make sure you fill it to the right level. Uh, yeah. My vision wasn't good enough to, to do that on my own. So, okay, all right. And and are the two tests, uh, Terry? You've done both the 23andMe and the Ancestry.com. Are their tests the same type of test, the same process? Yes. You have to spit in a little test tube for both of them. (laughs) (laughs) My wife filled it up quite rapidly. I did not. (laughs) The hard hard part about it, other than seeing that little line, if you're visually impaired, is that you – you cannot consume any water during the time that you are spitting into this little tube. Oh my goodness. Right. So, that can be a little difficult. So if you're, if, if you, if your mouth tends to run dry, like my mind does, it's, it's a little, little difficult. Okay. But other than that, it's, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't hurt. Yeah. Okay. Do we have any hands? Yes, we do. Okay. All right. Denver, you can unmute. Well, hello, Denver. Glad to see you here. 
Why, thank you, Carla. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for uh, hosting this. Uh, so I, too, have taken both of the tests. I um, started my ancestry research in the year 2002. And so I have a great deal of research already done prior to losing my vision. And when I lost my vision in 2012, it all but ceased for me because I found most of the apps that were for smartphones to be very clunky. Um, have you guys found an app that is more user-friendly or accessible for us? That's the first question. Okay. Well, okay. David, I think that's in your wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't have to use adaptive equipment. Yes. Uh, well, when I first started working on my family tree in 2012, I still had some decent central vision. And so I was thinking, I better work on this really diligently so I can get as much done because I know vision's going to get worse. And you know what? I was right. Uh, it's much worse now. But nine years later, I'm still working on my family tree just as much as I was years ago. Uh, I found the Ancestry app and the Ancestry DNA app also uh, very accessible. Um, so that's how I work on. I work on it all the time when I have a few minutes to spare here and there. Um, uh, there might be a couple little things that are uh, not as accessible as maybe the website, but for the most part, I've found the Ancestry app and Ancestry DNA to be very accessible uh, because I can't see anything on there myself, uh, and I I'm on there all the time. So it's gotten more accessible over the years. So if it's been a while, you may want to look at it again. Yeah, I found yeah. that to be true, too. The Ancestry app has gotten more accessible over time on the iPhone. And David, uh, are you still using yours on the, on the iPad or are you, you doing it on the iPhone? I do it on my phone. Um, on your phone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, now I also have my heritage. Uh, the My Heritage app, I find it to be more busy uh, than um, than Ancestry, mainly because I don't think I understand all of the process for all of their hints. And Ancestry is a little less cluttered on that, but it's still interesting and fun. And I, I really enjoy getting their information because they'll send you emails when they find a, a, a hit um, or a new record. And sometimes it's a lot of repetition, but I save them all just in case someday I have a lot of time and I can straighten them all out. But, um, but there's, uh, there's going to be things that aren't accessible, whether it be on the website or it be on an app, because uh, a pedigree chart is just not accessible. It's graphics. And, um, but, right. uh, they, but they do have ways that you can, um, that you can kind of move down through those uh, through those connections 
and see a lot of things and, and do some of the searches. I find that some of the searches are better in one place than another. And there's a couple of places in Ancestry that if I try to do a search, I'm just stuck and I have to get out and start over. So it just depends on what you're trying to do. Do we have another hand up? Be, before. Oh, Denver, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You have another question. No, you're okay. You're okay. You didn't know. Um, so I found a book on my family at the Library of Congress. Oh, great. And mm-hmm. so I was able to trace my roots all the way back to 1400. Uh, all right. This book. Um, and I noticed that at the Library of Congress, and of course you have to write to them. So it's a process, you know. Uh, email is is more accessible for us these days, but they don't um, they don't have email that I'm aware of for this particular branch of the Library of Congress. But they have a great many ancestry books. Um, and so if you give them a name, they can look to see if that book is available for you and you can purchase a copy. Um, so that is a resource that I have found. If anyone has any low vision or assistance with their research, that is an avenue they might want to explore. Okay. Great. I just Thank recently. I just recently joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and part of our church history is knowing our ancestry. So all of my siblings and I took our DNA test. I did both because I could, because I thought it might be fun to learn. Mm -hmm. And we found out that one of... One of our siblings is adopted. We knew he was adopted, but we didn't know where he came from. (laughs) And it turns out he He hatched from a pod just like I did. Of Henry Lee Lucas. (laughs) Uh, So that's just another one of those interesting little things you can learn. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we do have some other people here. Um, All right. Yeah, Kathy. Kathy Brand. Hi. Uh, It's good to be here. And well, for my own reasons, I I wanted to check out about my origins. And I did all three of the services. And I asked my pharmacist that I'm on pretty good terms if they would help me with the test since I'm totally blind and. So I just went on the same day with all of them so that I wouldn't have to constantly bother and sent out. And I was in communication with various relatives. Um, and I did find out that my mother is still alive. And I did indicate to her that I just wanted to know something about her for general purposes that, that I didn't want anything, didn't want to necessarily inject myself into the family or anything, but she didn't want to be in contact with me. And I don't know, it seems a lot of people just really aren't into writing. 
mm-hmm. uh, or at least mine aren't. And well, it was good to find out different things that for whatever reason, the, I wasn't able to maintain the contacts with the people I was writing with because the one became uncomfortable and said that she didn't want to yeah. risk telling me anything for fear that my biological mother would find out and think <laughs> that she had gone behind her back. Yeah. And uh, the father's side of the family, I w- was able to get better results with communication-wise, but then all of a sudden she fell off the radar, and it's not like we yeah. had any disagreements that I knew of or anything, but like, I don't know what happened. So yeah, that's kind yeah. of where I'm at right now, and I think that's it. Okay, we're talking. We're uh, we're talking about kind of exploring some of these roots, and so um, let, let's hold a couple of the questions for a second. I want to bring Kathy into this conversation and have her talk to us about uh, kind of a, another aspect of validating um, who we are for kind of a very specific reason. So, Kathy, uh, would you talk to us about how? How you, you how you go about uh, helping people to um, validate their roots uh, back to specific events, and you can take it wherever else you'd like to go. So this is Kathy. Okay. Hooper. We're Hi. glad you're here, uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana. It's right across the river from Louisville. Hi, David. Hello. Uh, <laughs> um, First, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the DAR, which is the Daughters of American Revolution. Uh, But I wanted to um, just share with you a little bit about how I got started with all of this. Um, uh, My dad's uh, parents died when he was a child. And um, um, so I never really got to know um, his family very well. And, uh, but on my mother's side, uh, you know, I knew her parents and, uh, her sibling and everything. So, um, I was real comfortable with that. But, um, uh, after my mother passed, uh, about 10 years after dad passed, um, I wanted to, I wanted to find out something about his side of the family. And, um, uh, my last name is Hooper and, um, uh, there is a family tradition. Many of y'all have had this. You know, my ancestor did this and that. Okay. And in the Hooper tradition, our ancestor supposedly signed a Declaration of Independence. Uh, it was William Hooper. He was from, um, it was from Massachusetts originally, I think, but he became a senator in North Carolina. And uh, my mother had always said, no, no, that's just, that's just talk. But after she passed, I wanted to find out for sure. And uh, so I started on a history of William Hooper, the signer, and, and then also, you know, did my own lineage back. And I found that we were, we're not, I'm not related to the signer, um, but we were actually in the same county as where he served the senator. So there was probably, you know, some distant relationship there that they all wound up together. But um, in that process, um, 
Uh, I'll just say that uh, Hooper is not a real common name, but it's not uh, real unusual. I have never met a Hooper who wasn't related to the signer of the Declaration of Independence. They all are white, black, Chinese. It doesn't matter. Uh, (laughs) um, One thing I did find out, though, is I don't think the signer had any Hooper descendants past the second generation after him. So they, he had daughters. And uh, uh, so it's not going to be Hooper. It's going to be something else. <laughs> but um, anyway, during that process, um, I, uh, you know, found, um, I got on Ancestry and I started building trees. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, uh, I ran into a application uh, for the Sons of the American Revolution on Ancestry. And um, uh, I had wanted to join the Daughters of the American Re- Revolution a long time ago when I was in the Navy. Uh, but, you know, you have life and you have kids, and uh, I just never had really the time. So um, I, I looked at that, then built my tree back to my ancestor, and, um, and then, you know, joined the DAR. Um, so, uh, that's kind of how I got started. And, uh, um, I would like to just tell you a little bit about the, uh, uh, society now. Um, uh, the mission of the, uh, DAR, which is stands for Daughters of the American Revolution, is to promote historic preservation, education, and patriotism. Um, our model is God, home, and country. DAR is a nonprofit, nonpolitical volunteer women's service organization dedicated to the preserving um, and promoting patriotism. Uh, it was founded in um, 1890 on October 11th, and it was incorporated by an act of Congress uh, six years later. Um, there are over 3,000 chapters in all 50 states and Washington, D.C., and there's a few scattered all over the world, actually. <clears throat> uh, any woman 18 years or, of age or older, regardless of race, religion, or ethnic background, uh, who can provide lineal de- de- uh, descent from a patriot of the American Revolution is eligible. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Allergies. Um, so if you want to learn more about the DAR, you can go out to www.dar.org and you can learn more steps about membership and um, um, also complete a prospective uh, membership form. Uh, the national headquarters for DAR is located in Washington, D.C. It takes up an entire city block. And if you've been to Washington, you know how big those blocks are. Um, The DAR library is one of the largest genealogical research centers in the United States and contains a specialized collection of American genealogical and historical manuscripts and publications. Um, Historic preservation promotes preservation of American culture and traditions. Um, DAR sponsors an American history essay, and the contest uh, students are students from uh, ages 
excuse me, from grades five to eight. And it also recognizes women in American history. Um, education includes Constitution Week uh, during the week of uh, September 17th to 23rd. And that's to educate the public about the Constitution. Uh, we do support six DAR schools. And our chapter here in Jeffersonville, we support uh, the Kate Duncan School, which is located in Alabama. Um, and I actually have um, a, uh, I think she's a third cousin who attends that. She's in grade school there. Uh, the literacy promotion promotes adult liter- literacy and involvement in literacy programs for children and adults. And we pr- promote women's issues about health, career, and family. Um, uh, patriotism promotes knowledge, loyalty, and love of our country. We do support active duty mil- military and veterans. Uh, we recognize outstanding citizens, students, and ROTC can- uh, cadets. Uh, we also distribute thousands of flags and literature annually. Uh, the DAR, with uh, uh, some exceptions, accepts for um, the period between April 19, 1775, which is when the Battle of Lexington occurred, and November 26, 1783, when British troops uh, withdrew from New York. So what consists of a service? Well, you know, most people say, well, I didn't have anybody that was a soldier. Well, there's other things that it can, uh, can uh, qualify you. Um, it could be a signer of the Declaration of Independence, somebody who was actually in military service. Uh, they could be in civil service, such as um, in the county or the town officials. Um, they could be a juror, a surveyor of the highways, and it could be a clerk or a treasurer for the city or town. Uh, patriotic service includes signers of oaths of fidelity, members of the Boston Tea Party, and defenders of forts and frontiers. Um, let's see. Also, uh, medical staff that rendered aid to the wounded, uh, ministers who gave patriotic sermons, um, and those who rendered material aid, paid specific taxes uh, to support the revolution. Um, I'd like to interject here, <clears throat> that one of my, excuse me, this second, one of my uh, patriots was actually a minister, and he was known as the Patrick Hendry of uh, the northern neck of Virginia, uh, because he did preach so much about the uh, revolution. <coughs> um, <clears throat> applications must, excuse me, this second. Sorry about that. Uh, an application must include, and this goes for any application of any lineage-based uh, organization. Uh, they've got to include providing um, documents that relate back to your revolutionary ancestor. <coughs> so sorry. 
<clears throat> talking too much. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, we were talking about DNA. Uh, DNA is recently being accepted by the DAR, but only as supporting evidence, not as direct evidence. Um, <clears throat> you still have to provide other documents uh, that will do that lineage. Um, I'm registrar for our um, uh, I'm working with two people that were adopted. They've done the DNA test, but we're, you know, they've got to find the other proof, which is hard. So, Kathy, what other kinds of proof do they um, do they do they encourage or do they want? I mean, I, I know there's all kinds of things, but what would be sort of the sort of the the main types of proof that they would be looking for? Well, um, in most lineage, you, you've got to provide uh, direct evidence. And a direct evidence could be like a birth certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, names, and not the short form, it's got to be the long form that names the parents, um, sometimes the informant if they're related, um, uh, especially if it's a, well, um, you know, a spouse or a uh, child. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, in at least in the DAR, um, and I'm sure most of them are probably similar. They don't need the original; they just need a like a Xerox copy of the original. Okay, um, <laughs> and the DAR marriages uh, prove um, the relationships. But they don't necessarily have to be proven uh, on your application. So, um, you know, we've had, you know, so if you uh, uh, have a situation where your mother was married um, and your lineage is through your mother's line, um, that's okay. You know, it, it's that's not a problem. Um, once you get past a, a about 1910, uh, most states at that point were doing some sort of a vital record. Uh, if you go on Ancestry, you'll see uh, birth certificates or death certificates starting around that time. Um, before that, um, after 1880, uh, the federal census would actually name the relationship of each household member. So if you were in John Smith's household and you're Mary Smith, the child, it would say that you are in relationship to the head, you know, John, you're his daughter. Uh, before that, uh, from 1850 to 1870, uh, household members were named, but the relationship wasn't noted. Okay, so you can still use an um, like an 1850 census, but you still got to prove that that child is related to the parent. Um, and so how do you do that? It can be with the land um, uh, grants, uh, it can be in a will. Um, uh, there's, you know. Not very many things that you can use, but they're out there. And Ancestry is pretty good about um, 
getting records out there. Uh, the state of Indiana, uh, Indiana publishes all of their vital records. So you can go out on Ancestry, and if the person died or was born in Indiana, uh, you're most likely to be able to find um, their record. Um, when you get back into the early 1700 or the late 1700s, about the time when um, the revolution started, um, there are, you know, documents that will, you know, get you to the Patriot. Um, and, you know, one of my ancestors, I have 13 uh, that I've honored in the DAR. Uh, one of them provided um, uh, food and wagons, and that's what qualified them. Um, another uh, two of them, one of them was a woman, uh, paid the taxes in Virginia. And I think it was 17, I want to say 86. <laughs> um, that year, the Virginia Congress said that anybody that paid their property taxes that year went toward supporting the revolution. So, uh, you know, that can qualify you. Um, as a registrar, okay. uh, as a registrar, the, the hardest generation to prove is the grandchild of the patriot. And the reason for that is most of them are born around 1800 and um, they died before vital records, you know, before. Sorry about that. And um, so. I get these spam calls about 20 a day. Uh, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so, um, so that one is really hard to prove. Uh, but again, you know, if um, uh, one of my ancestors, I was able to prove who his parents were because one of his siblings actually lived past 1910. And I was able to prove through census records that they were siblings and therefore her vital record, her death certificate, the name, the parents, um, most likely were his parents. Um, you know, they, they want definite proof, but, um, they will take, you know, good arguments if, um, if you've got, if you provide the proof. Okay. All right, let's see if we have some questions. Doug Hall, you can unmute. This has been an interesting um, presentation because, as it turns out, my wife's second cousin is into genealogy as well as her brother. They have my wife's family, or her one cousin has the family traced back to William Brewster on the Mayflower. All right. Um, and her, her brother was not interested in here. He traced the family back in England. He goes back to like 1400 um, in her family. Now, what's interesting though, is that my, my, my brother and his family has been doing tracing and they have, they have our family traced back. I think it was called the Frederick, which is like two or three ships after the Mayflower that came into Plymouth. So my family goes way back. And as it turns out, what we found out is that, number one, um, one of my nieces went to Salem and found where one of our ancestors got hung as a witch. Oh. 
in, oh, in Salem. But what we found out in our that, family. That's one you didn't want to discover, right? Well, you know, we could, could have been horse thieves. Anyway, <laughs> um, but what was interesting, what we found out, at least in my family, came over um, right after the Mayflower. And part of the family stayed in Massachusetts. Part of the family switched off and went to Rhode Island with Roger Smith because they didn't like the way the Puritans were doing. And that part of the family switched off and someone went to New York, some went to Pennsylvania, whatever it is. So one mm-hmm. of the interesting things we found out in our family is that it turns out in my wife's family has their, their ancestor had the same name, surname as mine. So we're wondering if we're related, <laughs> but um, ancestry and, and doing the family tree is, is just, it's amazing. And it's a lot of work. Uh, my wife was just telling me a few minutes ago that we have a large chart, family tree chart. It's, it's huge. Um, and she wants to un, unroll it and take a picture of it because yes, it is graphical. Um, you think about with the family trees that, as you go back, it just spreads out and covers so many things. But it's uh, it's this has been an interesting presentation. We're looking forward to doing more tracing in our in our family. Okay. Do we have right. another hand? Sarah, were you Sarah, able to yes. unmute, Sarah? Go ahead. Um, this is really um, I, I've been interested in, in the ancestry and, and the DNA, and this is getting me a spark to to do mine. Um, and two things: um, listening to everybody, it sounds like that that information and the 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 tracing back is accessible. And another thing I'd like to ask is uh, if you're interested in joining or trying to join the D, uh, DAR, um, is there other people that can help you if you run into kind of roadblocks? Um, and that's that's what I have to ask. Thank you. Okay, Kathy. Yeah. Um, actually, um, I work a full-time job, and then I come home and I work a full-time job as registrar. Um uh, actually, I was up all night doing some lineage for uh, a new prospect. And, um, you know, and I got almost all the way through the tree and got stumped. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do some digging to just figure this one out. Now I had to go in a different direction. And I'm working on that too. Um, I've had um, uh, a couple of people where, um, you know, the the uh, supporting evidence proved the lineage, okay? Um, but there's some genealogists uh, up in Washington that, um, and, and they're paid, they're in a paid position, um, but that's what they do is they, they go over what you've given them to prove, and if they disagree with it or they find fault with it or whatever, they'll send it back to, like, the registrar, and um, ask for additional information. Uh, the really nice ones will, um, you know, actually tell you where you can go to find it, and which means they probably have already looked it up. Um, and then the very nice ones will go ahead and finish it for you and figure it out. But um, uh, I've had a couple where, you know, like I was telling you, where it, there was proof, but it was all supporting evidence. 
and it was like um, the uh, the person that was in the line was married, but um, uh, the uh, the person that paid the bond for the marriage license and was her brother-in-law. Okay. And that sister, uh, I was able to prove that sister was a direct line. And therefore, if he's the brother-in-law and you know, that there, that's where the relationship and, uh, they disagreed with it. And uh, the, the genealogist said, no, we want something in black and white. There wasn't anything in black and white. That was as close as we could get. So the DA, uh, the DAR started something a few years ago, um, and it's it's other registrars like me that um, either excel at it or have been doing it for a very long time, and they'll offer some help. So, but to get that help, you have to submit the application. Um, of course, you know when you do that, you're at risk of losing your fee. Uh, because you are paying for the genealogist <laughs> time, but um, a lot of times they will come back and um, either you know help solve the problem because they have more resources than we do here locally, um, or you know they'll work on trying to find a different patriot for you to go back. So yes, and the, the answer to your question is yes, there is help. Right. right. Area code 619 and again, we have an Orion. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hi, this is, um, this is Maggie and thank you for this presentation. I have to say that I'm, there's probably other people listening out here who are like me, which we really don't know much about our family lineage. Um, I think in our family, there's, I, I have a comment and then a question in our family, um, or some background. In our family, there's a couple mysteries, and we have never really looked into our lineage um, for various reasons, my sister and I. Um, for example, is it true, the family rumor, that we were related to Albert Schweitzer? That would be nice. And um, also, my father's father, for some reason, my father's mother um, didn't have very my my father and his sister had different parents but we've never sorted that out and it was kind of a secret that no one could get her to divulge i don't know why but my general question is probably a lot of people in the audience are like me could you give me some when i thought about um i think it's 23 and me i thought well how interesting um to find out my geographical background um, for one thing, and maybe you guys who are so knowledgeable uh, could share what do you, what kind of results do you get when you when you go to um, 23andMe, or what are the potential things you can find out? Okay, Terry or David? Yeah, when I did 23andMe, uh, I both 23andMe and Ancestry will sort of pinpoint. Um, where you're from and then they both have a uh, good historical information on immigration routes like most people from this area tended to migrate to blah 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 uh, and so there's some things that you can learn there some things that are very interesting there 
that doesn't, you know, that's not saying that that you or your family specifically did this, but that a lot of people from this area or whatever ended up migrating to certain parts. I had a lot of people who migrated to Kentucky, for example. Now, uh, nowadays, well, I don't know because I was adopted. I don't know where my biological family ended up, but uh, well, yes, I do. Some of them did end up in Kentucky. Um, but there's there's a lot of information that you get uh, surrounding your DNA results that's very fascinating and you can run with it in many different directions, you know, using other resources, of course. Okay. All right. right. Cindy, we have about nine minutes. Okay. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Carla. And Kathy, I would like to bring you greetings from Goshen Mills Chapter in Gaithersburg. I am the immediate past regent of my chapter. And I would like to say in Maryland, I have through, because I have as an ACB member and also immediate past president of my affiliate, have worked with several people who are now DAR members who are blind. And um, currently I'm flag chair. I was that a few years ago. I've been everything in my chapter for the last hundred years, practically, (laughs) except I would never, ever be treasure. Sorry, Carla. Never. I started getting into genealogy in 1976 when we did not have any internet at all. I, everybody has my slab, every group. And through our ACB community calls, I actually have found a cousin. Now, I can't get her, couldn't talk to her because I was hosting, but I found her. But I'm going to say one thing, my favorite things I have done since being a DAR member is I've been working with the children here in Maryland to teach them how to hold the flag and how to fold the flag, I should say, and how it properly should be hung. Because although those of us who were Girl Scouts that were blind, well, we learned in Scouts, but in the public school system, they really don't get to learn. So I've been doing that. And also I would also say, and I always start crying, is naturalization of new citizens. Um, I totally have enjoyed being participating, handing new members flags, flag codes. And if you're downtown here in D.C. and you get uh, yellow dog hair all over you, that's my guide dog, Gardenia. Uh, We go to all of the national conventions. Well, except last year and this year, you know, but um, we're down there quite a bit. If anybody who is blind. Yes, start with yourself, work back. If you have to go anywhere to a historical society or anybody, they are very willing to help you with anything. Everybody, a couple of several of my chapter members work with people. And I have two who are working on their family tree or trying to see if they can become a member of DAR. And yes, we can do it. We may need help, but who doesn't? And I'm going to say thank you so much, Kathy, 
for uh, coming today. I just thought it was great. I'm glad Carla invited you and my family. The Wilhoit family is from Owen County, Kentucky. So that's it. Thanks, guys. And thank just, you all. I just wanted to say I'm also the past regent of my chapter, too. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> as a blind uh, person, we had 115 members oh. and we had 32 chapter or 32 committees. It is very doable. So uh, yeah. it's very doable. You have good people. It's doable. And it's great. And I really enjoy it. And I'm also our hospitality chair. So oh. we haven't been doing much of that this year. But thank you <laughs> yeah. so much. And thank you, Carla, for inviting Kathy and also David and Terry. This has been great. Okay, I do. I do want to say we've we've got we're almost out of time, but I do want to uh, recognize Debbie Persons, who has been on the call today. And Debbie is actually a member of the DAR chapter, and she is the person who helped us meet Kathy. So thanks, Debbie. I want to thank uh, Kathy and David and for being here with us today. I'm glad that that you all have all taken time out of a very busy convention schedule to be with us and uh, hope that you will um, participate in ACB Families. We do have a couple more sessions coming up this week. Tomorrow night, we will be playing Family Feud with the Council of Citizens with Low Vision at 730 and Tuesday, we will have a very serious session. It's called From Segregation to Integration. And it is about the integration of the schools for the blind around the country. And that is in cooperation with the Multicultural Affairs Committee at 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon. Please plan to come and be at that session with us. I think you'll find some interesting history about schools for the blind. Um, if you would like more information on ACB families, you can contact me, Carla Rushevel, at 502-897-1472, or you can, you can uh, join our families list at families plus subscribe at acblists.org. want to thank Lucy Edmund. And John Gassman, Lucy for hosting, John for um, for recording, and uh, I want to give the end code for the CEUs and professional development hours. So glad that people are using that opportunity to gather more information for their work and to enhance their um, their work. So that code is one zero two. Four nine, one oh, it's, zero. It's eight four nine. Oh, is that an eight? Oh, yes. that's a braille dot problem. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. Oh my gosh, that dot was so faint. One zero eight four nine. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> and uh, please remember to um, add that to your code to your report. So um, thanks for being with us. And enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of the convention. Thank you for having me.